0: Good morning, good morning, good morning. This is the Comenius Institute Warp and Wolf Radio Show here on Radio Next.TV at the Collaborate 317 Studio. Me and my twin brother Dr. Mark Eckler in here again man and and uh, just want to let you know if you don't hear all that joy coming through the microphone <laughs> back problems are not a joke how you feeling bro come yeah, on man
1: a little rough around the edges you know but uh, the big good news is uh, mom we're coming home so uh, I'm flying out tomorrow afternoon to Denver to see family that's going to be a good time but in the meantime we got a great show today HB with uh, Maddie. And uh, she's coming in to tell us about some uh, work that she's doing and other volunteers down in the inner city in the east side with disadvantaged youth, specifically educational issues, just right up your alley. Right. Oh, man, you know, you, what is this, a Christmas gift or it something, is, man? man? This
0: is a gift because education, I believe, and, you know, uh, one, one of the things that I, I do know, and it's on my community rule flyer, When you learn how to read, you are absolutely free. I mean, so, you know, education, that's where my drive and my energy stems from and what I think that if we teach people how to understand what is written and then transfer it back into thought, uh, we're all good. We were just talking about this before the show.
1: That's right. Uh, Reading is the baseline for all of the knowledge acquisition that we need. And our concern, of course, in educational processes is that people learn how to think Uh, that they think for themselves, obviously from a Christian vantage point, we're really interested in the content that might be provided from a biblical uh, vantage point, but to help people along that line and to broaden their thinking uh, is really what we're all about.
0: Well, good. This is going to be a great, great show. Who's our guest today, Mark?
1: We have Maddie coming in. uh, (laughs) Pascasio. pascasio. Uh, Maddie, if you're listening, forgive me for uh, messing that up. Uh, But Maddie is uh, with a group called Like a Lion, and uh, she does really good work along with others that are working with her in the inner city on the east side, uh, places like Overton, and uh, they're doing some really great work down there. I'm just really excited to meet her uh, face-to-face. We've had some really great phone conversations. Looking forward to this because uh, the kind of work that has to take place with young people so that they have a chance uh, for the next generation to be raised up Uh, to be great citizens and great Christians in this community. Uh, This is what's needed, and we're really glad for Maddie and her work.
0: Awesome. Well, this is going to be a great, great show. Please stay tuned. We're going to take our musical break, as we always do. Come back, introduce you to Comenius Institute in depth, and then we're going right in on education. Um, It has changed over the years, so you might want to listen in on this. We'll be right back. You're listening to Warp and Wolf Radio on the Cool Groove site. RadioNext.tv, you're listening to Warp and Wolf Radio here on the uh, cool Groove site at the Collaborate 317 Radio Next. TV studio If you get an opportunity please come out and visit This great great facility where Warp and Wolf Radio Comenius Institute is Housed now 4202 North EMS Boulevard And that is right off of 42nd in McCordsville or Mount Comfort Road right in McCordsville uh, Hancock County Greenfield you can call it So many things but it is right on the Little bit on the edge of the east side of Indianapolis And uh, I promise you it is worth the drive. It is worth the drive. Hey, man! Uh, you know, <laughs> each week we always bring you this show, Mark, and bring the public this show. Comenius Institute is the seed and the sponsor of this show. Just introduce them to Comenius Institute before we start this conversation on education.
1: Absolutely. So we've got three bridges that we cross at Comenius. The first bridge is uh, helping Christian young people navigate uh, public university at IUPUI. Uh, When they hear different things that they haven't heard before, maybe from uh, their families, their churches, and they've got somebody uh, like myself who really loves academics, loves to interact with the kind of thinking that happens at university level. Uh, If you know of folks who know of folks that have young people going there, make sure to have them contact me. We have great groups uh, that stop by the lunch table a couple times a week, and we have great conversations. Second bridge that we cross is into communities. And so basically what we're doing in this radio show is we're acquainting Indianapolis with all of the good things that Christians are doing around Indianapolis. And that is the focal point of this show, Titus chapter 3. Three commands there, do good, do good, do good. That's what we're all about. And we have special interest and special emphasis on connecting black and white leaders within Indianapolis. That's a really crucial concern for us. And then our third bridge is connecting Christianity to culture, Some Christians have a hard time with cultural issues, uh, lots of different issues that uh, confront us uh, at any given moment, any given day, and we're really interested in that. So this last week, for instance, just yesterday, I posted an essay on poverty and a biblical view of poverty and helping people to understand how it is that we think differently as Christians about the poor. And uh, if you're interested at all in some things like that, uh, go to my website, warpandwoof.org, that's W-A-R-P-A-N-D-W-O-O-F.org, and you will find over 600 essays that I've written there. There's all kinds of video, podcasts, all kinds of things. But that's our third bridge, is helping Christians understand our responsibility within the community and specifically interacting with culture absolutely man you sound like you scripted
0: that brother go ahead oh shoot we should, i'm gonna take that out that's gonna be a commercial there you but, go but the beautiful thing though is each week we get a chance to speak you know life into the proverbs mm-hmm. um and if you do not know proverbs are the rules that you can live by yeah. um and and you know those are <laughs> those are etched in stone so mm-hmm. to speak those mm-hmm. are the rules And today we are talking about education, and I love what you just said. That's like leading me into this because you were talking about uh, the cultural, educational differences and everything. So why is a discussion about education uh, so important for just anyone?
1: Oh, man. (laughs) Boy, where do I even start to answer that question? Uh, This is an issue about knowledge. And so if children don't understand why, They won't care about anything else. If they don't understand why education is important, then they won't care to read or study or think on their own. They'll just be taking whatever's given to them for the rest of their lives. But it's not just about how knowledge is transferred. It also matters whose knowledge that you're getting. So at this particular level in my time of life, and especially I work at the university level, I'm trying to get people to be more broad-minded. But when you're talking about little ones, when you're helping little ones to understand why knowledge is important, content is important. So uh, understanding, giving them a catechism that is a baseline of belief from a Christian vantage point is huge. And then there's the issue of the teacher. Who's invested in teaching young people And then, of course, and here's the key to this, and you and I, HB, are all about this one, that is student discovery, getting kids to discover on their own. That's the key. Yeah, yeah.
0: and not only discover on their own, but then discover where they are. At the time that we're wanting them to discover on That's their right. own because, you know, and, and part of this first question is why is it so important for everyone is because everyone is different and everyone's background and everyone's situation has been different. We so come from they, different their, cultures their and contexts. Yeah, their content yeah. to learn yeah. uh, might be different. So I think it's weird when we start evaluating people on tests mm. um, that might be applicable to somebody else's uh, design and culture and mm. where they live. And that doesn't have anything to do with the education or the intelligence of mm. That's the right. kids that we're trying to teach. And that kind of right. leads to the next uh, question here. Why is it uh, important to learn about the situation of educationally disadvantaged children? Yeah. And that's kind of like where
1: I was going on that. Yeah, sure. Well, the issue of knowledge, coming back to this issue of knowledge, uh, is a big deal for us. Uh, we're concerned about how people, not only how people are connected to knowledge, but whose knowledge, and then getting them to learn on their own, and as we just discussed, the concern, of course, getting from their own context. But that's the issue. Sometimes their contexts are jacked up. They have some really bad situations. Sometimes they come from one-parent homes where uh, there's really no kind of consistency. Some, sometimes there's, there's no parents at home and grandma and grandpa are raising young people. Uh, They come from disadvantaged uh, settings where they haven't been read to all of their lives and they have no sense of reading, and so there's this kind of disadvantage. And sometimes, uh, you know, it can be a a cultural issue such as, hey, you know, you grew up in a home where there wasn't always food available and maybe there was a poverty linked into the issue of education. And so the disadvantage comes at young people uh, in various ways. And so for us, then, to care deeply for how young people learn and that they learn uh, and that we give them an advantage over disadvantage is the real key to this. And, you know, you and I, man, we're symbiotic on this issue as we are on so many issues because we really care deeply for the next generation.
0: Absolutely, and I think that's where we have to start thinking and attacking this problem. I was having a conversation the other day, um, and I was talking about contaminant fish in fall creek mm. and I said the baby fish that are spawned from the contaminant fish have no way to be anything other than a product from that contaminant right. fish so if we could clean that baby fish out then mm-hmm. maybe we could stop contaminant fish from growing and it is. Was, it's, HB you, you, you're kind of crazy <laughs> with your analogy and I said well no the truth is is that if, if you're a product of an environment mm-hmm. and you think that child is going to change just without any influence <laughs> right. or outside help then right. you're nuts and that's yeah. that's basically what I'm saying and so that does lead me to this uh, what does Proverbs say about us Christians helping those who Uh, might have learning disabilities, they need growth, and they need to understand knowledge and all that, uh, but they don't have those resources.
1: Man, that's the key to this, Uh, you know, coming alongside young people. So there are different ways that we could approach this particular issue, but let me just go back to Proverbs for a minute, highlight a few important ideas. Uh, One of the key words in Proverbs is the word knowledge, and it comes uh, to us uh, in different ways, but it certainly focuses attention on learning. This is not so much an informed mind, but a relationship with God himself. So when we read a Proverbs that says our responsibility is to know God and have this relationship with God, that's huge. But then guess what our responsibility is? All the way through the rest of Proverbs, what's it say? My son, listen to my teaching. What has to go with the relationship with God? There's got to be a relationship with the teacher. There's got to be a relationship with a human being that cares enough to imbibe this wisdom and set these young people uh, on the course that really they desperately need. And so our focus on knowledge is really one of relationship. And for us, in this particular culture, when we talk about learning, growth, and knowledge, we have to spend time with people. You know, the internet's a great thing. We have all kinds of connections to digital media, all kinds of issues that I think can be really helped, uh, like maps on my phone that get me places. Man, why I love that app. you know. But if I can't spend time with you, sitting across a table with you or sitting next to you, helping you learn how to spell or or to write or to think, then that kind of uh, relationship uh, with knowledge just doesn't flow as easily as it might. So that's why we're asking somebody like Maddie to come in because Maddie actually does this. She sits with young people. She helps them. She processes with them. She gets others to do the same thing.
0: Unbelievable, man. <laughs> I'm just sitting there for smiling because I think about my little babies over at the YMCA and all these, yeah. I mean, all these little different kids with their different backgrounds and, and this energy. Um, and, and just like you say with Maddie, to sit down and figure out, okay, what makes this little one tick? Mm-hmm. So not only am I teaching... But what I'm teaching can be applied. That's and right. that's the difference between knowledge and wisdom. I can feed them this information, but if I'm not saying here's how you apply what I just taught you, it's mm-hmm. worthless. You are listening to the Warp and Wolf Radio Show right here on the cool group site. We will be right back. Uh, great, great conversation today talking about education, how we should apply it. What is it? We'll be right back. Radio Next dot T V. Indian oh sometimes I just <laughs> get caught up in my Indianapolis mode and that is after seven and uh yeah, you know, some of this music that I play sometimes—that's my—that's my refuge, Doctor Mark. There You're listening go. to Warp and Wolf Radio, Comenius Institute sponsored show, right here on the Collaborate Three One Seven Radio Next TV Studio, and uh, we're talking about education um, and you know help for disadvantaged inner city youth is what we're really talking about today, and that is an area, Mark, that is so near and dear to my heart. Uh, community World Nonprofit was built just under that design understanding uh, that the young people who are incarcerated, the young people who are unemployed, the uh people a lot of times that we see that are homeless on the streets are uh, a direct uh result of lack of education. Mm. Um and it is also relative to low income disenfranchised families. So mm-hmm. this is not this is not a, a mistake. Yeah. This is, this is like, you know, this is systemically. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is happening in our community, and I'm so happy that you took the time. Uh, we talk about current events on this show every week. And uh, speaking on just that inner city youth deal and, and disenfranchised family, what are the barriers to understanding the situation of children in the inner city and, and some of their plight?
1: Yeah, this is, uh, this is something that uh, is near and dear to our hearts at our house. Uh, Robin's a second-grade uh, teacher. And so we have these great conversations about uh, young people that uh, she has in her second grade class. And there are some fantastic stories, lots of laughter, you know, doubled over belly laughing about some kid said something. You know, it's just always a hoot and a holler when we talk about those stories. But then there are stories that rip your heart out, man. I'm telling you what, uh, this stuff makes you cry because these young people, you know, maybe they can't see properly and they need glasses and they don't have the wherewithal to get glasses, Maybe somebody who comes to school hungry, and so Robin is helping uh, with the hunger issue. Or some other person has, you know, we've got two different parents who are fighting over time about when I'm going to be with that particular mom or dad, or this issue comes up, and I left my backpack over there at that house, and how am I going to get my homework? You know, and these seem like really simple things, but I'm, I'm telling you what, folks like my wife, Robin, she's... She really functions like the President of the United States without the help, because she's yeah. got to deal with all of these issues, all these different every issues. Every single day. Every single day with all these little people, and she doesn't have any help. And so when I think about that, I think about these these young people, one of the biggest issues One of the greatest things that can happen is if somebody loves them, somebody cares for them. So when they come out of the poverty uh, issues or they're invested in a school that has administrative bloat, you know, they have so many administrators and not enough help for the good teachers. Uh, Those are the kinds of situations where you have teachers who are desperate to give to these young people who have these desperate needs. And so it really is culture and context. But I'm telling you, H.B., I don't care if you're from the inner city or the rural uh, backwoods of Indiana People are dealing with this stuff all the time. All,
0: and then all over the place. Uh, this yeah. is not a, a uh, uh, race, a color, a gender issue. This no. is, uh, and, no. and if you really look at our economy right now, um, you used to could be able to isolate it and say this right. is where that problem lurks. But, man, yeah. right now, and then, like, as you mentioned, this is everywhere. That's right. Um, and so we have to be aware of it. And that kind of leads us to the next question. Um, ask Christians. And this is this show is centered and based around right. uh, Christianity. And, and so we're talking Christian education today. Uh, why should anyone be anxious to help young people learn?
1: Yeah. Well, uh, let me start by saying this. I I teach uh, in a high school setting. I still teach high school. Uh, so I teach MA and PhD courses, but I also teach high school students. And one of the things that's really important to me to help people understand uh, life, and this is something I've been saying since the 1980s when I first started teaching, I don't want you to believe anything I teach you. I want you to go be Bereans like Acts seventeen eleven. The Bereans were more noble than the Thessalonians because they went to seek out what Paul uh, was saying and to see if it was true. This is my concern for young people is to give them the content, to give them the opportunity to go read and study and think through that particular content because I am directing that. I'm moving them toward that particular reading or that particular project. But then the next most important issue is to get people to be invested in the discovery of whatever that learning might be so from a Christian vantage point I care deeply for the content I believe there are certain things that are true then I bear responsibility in this relationship with students which we've been talking about since the opening uh, salvo here in our uh, discussion this morning I believe my relationship with young people is very very important and then finally I would say that my Next important area is getting them to discover this. And so what do I do? I enact uh, life-related ideas that connect to them immediately so that they can say, wow, you mean this stuff that you're teaching here has direct application to real life? Wow, I didn't realize how important or how relevant that might be, that information. So I'm concerned as a Christian that people see the connection between knowledge and how it Im- impacts them as an individual person and their character, and then ultimately how it uh, transfers into the activity of everyday life. And it sure sounds, HB, like when you and I talk, That's uh, we're pretty symbiotic. That's that where we thing. go, and
0: that's interesting that uh, you mentioned that because the last question that we have in this second segment um, deals with just that. Why don't we hear more about... Um, uh, the lack of education or the lack of educational resources for disenfranchised people and low-income families. And and why don't um, the, the news media, if they're so concerned about the murder rate, understand that if we are able to reach these young people and, and break that chain, so mm-hmm. to uh, speak, break that cycle yep. and make education important in their life, They talk about everything else.
1: Yeah. Why don't they do that? Let me just give a shot across the bow here to all news media people. And, you know, you want to make a commercial, HB? Make a commercial about what I'm about to say. (laughs) This is really important. You know what? Instead of leading the news broadcast with the blood on the streets, the latest problem with this or that. The perverts. Uh, yeah, the issue of people who are doing things they shouldn't be doing with people that are too young to understand. We could go on and on about all this. Anybody who's hearing the news knows that this is what's what leads. Wouldn't it be nice Is if every single day our first ten minutes of the news was hey, you know what, there's this great group of people doing this great work, doing good things down in the community, and let us tell you about that. But no, what do we do? We save that to the end, the last 45 or 60 After seconds. you shocked out of your brain. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> we don't spend the time that we need to to focus on folks who, who are doing good in the city like Maddie is, uh, with Like a Lion groups. And if we would do that, if the news media would focus on what's good and f- and highlight this on a regular basis and pick up on all the educational nonprofits around Indianapolis. There are over 10,000 nonprofits in Indianapolis. My word, people, you could choose from today until the next two decades to understand what it is that's needed and the good work that people are doing. And just imagine if people did that in the news media. How much easier it might be, HB, hang on to this now. How much easier might it be for nonprofits to get end-of-the-year giving Oh, wow. <laughs> Wouldn't
0: that be nice? And, uh, if, if any of you news agencies are out here listening, you want to start your show like that, just come on out here to 4202 <laughs> you North are. EMS Boulevard, 46140, nice <laughs> and you can get that story each and every day out there at Collaborate 317, because that is exactly what we're doing, and we're going to spread like the measles. I'm telling you, if you don't have your shot, you better get one. We'll be right back. <laughs> Dr. Mark Echo, Harold H.V. Bell, up in here on Comenius Institute, and we are talking the education up in here this morning. It's real, it's true, and it's raw. RadioNext.tv, we are live. Dr. Mark Echo, Harold H.B. Bell, Warping Wolf Radio. I I just love, you know, Mark, we were talking off air, and this is education, too. Um to be able to go live your design and do the things that mm-hmm. you know you're scripted to do is one yep. of the it's one of the best and most free feelings I think that you can have and this Wednesday morning platform here is such a beautiful gift mm. um to be able to just express thoroughly, much like we said, why won't mainstream media uh, report this. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, we need to be talking about these things uh, on a continuum if we want to change our community. Which lets me know if you have the platform and you don't, then what's really going on? Yeah, and this so. is your
1: point about uh, being gifted and following your design is a big deal. You know, I think uh, po- folks get really uh, messed up with their with their thoughtfulness about, hey, what should I do with my life? And my general thought is always how has God gifted you to be different from other people? Or how has he gifted you to to participate in the culture in a way that maybe other people don't? Or maybe coming alongside somebody else that... You know, you have the gift of help, you know, whatever that might be. But you're absolutely right. Our concern ought to be to help people where, they're, where they are with what they've been given to do.
0: Yeah, and we always talk about change, wanting change. And as you mentioned, we lead the news off with all the violent stuff to put people in a, in a state of either anger or fear. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we say this every week. If you're dealing <laughs> out of anger or fear, you're making an irrational decision most mm-hmm. times. That's not the way to make smart decisions uh, out right. of either one of those emotional states. So how do you think would be different um, if people truly cared and said, let's really try to um, make education at the forefront of these families and these children who are low-income and disenfranchised.
1: All right. So since I just wrote this thing on poverty uh, this week and I pushed this out through Warp and Woof, uh, let, me, let me approach it this way today. We could go in lots of different directions with that particular question, how would Indianapolis be better? Let me let me say it this way. and let me just be real strong on this point. If people who are Christians, who are financially, fiscally settled, you have your retirement, you've, you're in good shape, you know, if financially uh, things are things are well with you, if if you would follow First Timothy chapter six, verses seventeen to nineteen, which give four commands to those who are rich. Now there are those. All of us can claim to be rich in one way or another, and I'm sure that we can have a discussion about that. But Paul actually singles out people who have more than other people in First Timothy chapter 6. Indianapolis would be bettered to the question. Indianapolis would be bettered if rich people would give more. And they would give specifically targeting those things that really matter to them. And that they would, and this is, by the way, H.B., one of the reasons why I chose the word patron for uh, how people give, contributing patrons, because a patron is somebody who says, you know what, this thing is going to be my thing. Mm -hmm. And whatever that thing is, I don't care, you know, pick a thing that you're invested in, some nonprofit. You want to come along Comenius. You want to come along Like a Lion? Whatever. But pick a thing and then subsidize that thing so that folks like me, folks like you don't have, we get... We can quit looking over our shoulder at what's coming from behind us and continue what we're best at, which is looking in front of us, what's the next thing, what's the next uh, opportunity we can help people with. If people would target us that way, with patronage that would say, you know what, I'm going to fund you in a way that will take care of not only your needs, but forecast into the future, HB to the question, how would Indy be better? There's a first way. And,
0: and, and I'm, I am not doing uh, just a, a uh, promotion for Collaborate 317, but, man, I'm telling you, if you, you could come out here and if you are a, a person who have the ability to be a patron or a sponsor to a cause that you believe in, I promise you you will find it out here. Everything right. from seniors to babies, everything mm-hmm. from business owners to uh nonprofit programs. There are so many ways that you could help and become a patron, um, and do just as Mark said. And Scripture also says, "To whom much is given, much is required." Oh, there uh, you go. I'm to go to preaching. You know, I got to preach You know, I'm to make it. preaching my skill. But <laughs> uh, but but on, on that same front. Why should Christian meet the needs of these young people, Mark?
1: Yeah. Uh, Let me come back to the issue of of patronage for a moment to answer that question. One of the things that we know from history, and one of the reasons why I chose the word patron, uh, it comes out of the context of the Renaissance. The Renaissance took place in the 1500s thereabouts, and, of course, uh, was uh, continued into um, the 16th, 1700s, into the 18th century, 19th century. And what the Renaissance did was to say to people, you know what? Uh, here, are, here are the wealthy business owners. Here are the people that have uh, done exporting, importing. Uh, here are the people who have uh, created this great farmland that has all of this produce on it. And they're just making money hand over fist. And the folks then who they saw that were creating beautiful things, they would say to a painter, you know what? I love what you're doing. I want to support you full time so that you can continue to, to do what you do or they saw somebody who was a sculptor, somebody who created masonry, that created uh, cathedrals, or you know, pick, a, pick a topic. What they were doing was they were saying, I see something beautiful, and that thing that's beautiful is, commu- is doing something good in the community. And those two things, beauty and goodness, then point to truth. And so let me come full circle back to the question then. How does this really, How do Christians uh, be concerned about these things? How, how are Christians invested in this? I don't really care about hearing your truth until I see some beauty that you've created and some goodness that you've done. We talk about truth, goodness, and beauty. We need to flip that baby around, and we need to start saying, here's, here's my beauty. I'm going to show you that. Then I'm going to do good. And then maybe you'd be interested in hearing my truth. There you go, man.
0: Truth. Goodness, beauty, another word, value, Mm -hmm. because it it has to have that value to be, you know, uh, worth supporting. So, you know, the value is, you know, what what the results will be in that community that it's serving, man. And that's that's education right Mm -hmm. there that we you know, we don't get into those type of conversations and we don't. Um, you know, make that paramount. And and when we start talking about the real value of why learning and education is so important to those who need to know. That's right. Um, You know, it's interesting that uh, this week, and before I get to the last question, I'm going to put you out there. Okay. Okay. I don't see anything about my movies, man. So I'ma ask you before we ask the last question if that's okay with you, uh what types of movies uh supporting uh disenfranchised youth, low enfranchise you know, low income families. Uh, about education, my before I ask that last yeah. question, yes. <laughs> I'm sorry, man. I know you like that, but no, I, no, that's
1: okay. It. That's all
0: right. got to know.
1: Yeah. So actually, one of the re- when I was uh, thinking about this and thinking through questions and so on, I was thinking, you know what? We talk about uh, movies all the time. I'm going to give that a break, but my brother will not let it go. So let me just make a couple of. I comments. it's your staple. Yeah. Yeah. It is Be- because truthfully, truthfully, this is true. The true thing
0: of education is Mark loves movies. Mark is an educator. What better way can mm-hmm. Mark convey education to some people if he, you know, by being inspired by the thing he loves? Yeah. So so, you know, that's, that's like your painting of
1: yeah. uh, how I do my education. There you go. Hey, look at you, man. Look at you. Yeah, absolutely. So <laughs> I was with a couple of folks here this last week who I spent quite a bit of time with, and they're going to be coming on the show in January, later in January. And one of the things we talked about was how important it is to communicate in a teaching realm with the visuals. So I talked about movies. I talked about my book, When the Lights Go Down, uh, Christian uh, responsibility to review film. And uh, when we talked about these things, we talked about, of course, education. And one of the uh, concerns, of course, that comes through especially documentaries is this idea that uh, we bear responsibility for uh, the education of our young people. So I'll just give you an e- one example of this, and this comes out of the public sector, and that's the uh, documentary done a few, um, a few years ago called Waiting for Superman. And one of the sadnesses, of course, and here we're talking about disadvantaged youth. Uh, one of the sadnesses is that we have these young people who, and their parents, who are desperate to put them into a better setting and situation, where they literally have to go through a lottery to see if they can get into a private setting or a charter setting or something that's going to benefit them beyond the public system, which is failing them in whatever community that it is that we're talking about. And so I would say Waiting for Superman is kind of like one of those uh, stakes in the ground for me when it comes to disadvantaged youth and i'd say that's where i'd start absolutely and you and i both had the pleasure of being at access school to
0: change the city a yep. couple of years there ago it is. a documentary there that was phenomenal oh man um when you start talking about education of disenfranchised low-income people there man, that's powerful so let's end this segment up man you know Comenius institute i am a proud board member yes, love and appreciate what you do um But what kind of things is this committee is doing uh, to expand educational opportunities to this this audience that we were talking about
1: today? Right. I would would say, let me begin by answering that question by talking about all of the different folks that we have on this radio show. So we have a radio show that comes every single week. We have two hours where we uh, invest in Indianapolis, and we invest in Christians who are doing good in Indianapolis. So I would say that's really our platform. And then from that, we push out not only the radio show live, but then we push it out in podcast form. And then we get people to interact with each other. So I get to introduce folks to other folks that are doing good around the city. I mentioned a couple of guys, uh, Chris and Jerry, a couple of pastors here in town that I was with this last week. They will be on the radio show. That's going to expand beyond the radio show uh, into some work that we want to do together in Indianapolis around the the topic of education and what we're going to do. So I would say that an awful lot of what Cominius does is what I refer to as triangulation. So we have a commitment to the culture, that is the culture of Indianapolis, and specifically the good things that are happening in culture, Uh, truth, goodness, and beauty, however, whichever area that might be in. And then we deal with the community. So we're trying to link people all the time, different kinds of communities, uh, different interests, and as I've suggested, black and white leaders getting together is huge for us. But then we're connecting these young people at IUPUI with Christian thinking about whatever it is that they're interested in. So when I sent out the patron letter, let me just mention the patron letter here. Uh, If you're at all interested in this, uh, getting the patron letter, which has three one-minute videos embedded in it and a whole bunch of pictures that show you what we're doing. Uh, If you're interested in that, shoot me a quick email at echo1957 at gmail. And uh, I'll send that out to you. But in in the patron letter, I had one of our of students come to me and they said, you know what, Uh, I heard in my philanthropy school about something called gentrification. And they said, do you know anything about gentrification? (laughs) And I smiled and I said, we had a whole radio show on gentrification. And it was really good. And she said, oh, can I, will you text me the podcast? So I texted the podcast. A couple hours later, she comes back. Oh, that was so cool. Can I meet these people? So now we're getting her together with movers and shakers around Indianapolis. So when you asked me about what educational opportunities Cominius provides, we're doing a triangulation between students who really care about their studies, the cultural issues of our day, and then, of course, connecting us with ourselves to other communities so that we see this collaborative emphasis that is literally webbing itself throughout Indianapolis, helping good Christian folk, encourage other good christian folk who are doing good things around indianapolis hp thank you for ans- asking that question today absolutely fabulous
0: man this is Warp and wolf radio and we're talking education and specifically education of disenfranchising inner city youth uh... maddie uh, Pes- uh... piscasio like a lion, is going to be coming up after the break we advise you to tune in and listen mm-hmm. um... The only way to make change is to make change. You yep. know, I mean, seriously, so, you know, yep. we can talk about it, talk about it, but you have to get out and help make change. Loving this today, Dr. Mark Eckle, Herald, H.B. Bell. We will be right back on the Cominions Institute Warp and Wolf Radio Show.
1: And we are back, Warp and Wolf Radio on RadioNext.tv at the Cool Groove site. You hear us every Wednesday from 10 until noon, and we are interested in bringing in folks who are believers in Jesus, who are doing good around the community, Titus Chapter 3, do good, do good, do good. And they are doing something that, in the community that is beneficial to others. Uh, this is our focal point. So uh, today, we have the wonderful opportunity to bring in a nonprofit uh, that needs to be heard about more and more. And that's uh, the nonprofit Like a Lion. And Maddie is here along with us. And Maddie, would you please pronounce your name for us, please?
2: Yes, my name is Maddie Piscasio.
1: Piscasio. Thank you very much. So we're not going to slaughter that name any longer. (laughs) Thank you. Very good. It's very good. So Maddie Piscasio is here today, and she is the founder and director of Like a Lion. Is that right? Yes. Excellent. So, what we'd like to do is just hear a little bit more about you, your person, you know, your life, uh, folks that you're invested in, your family, uh, and your work around Indianapolis.
2: Yes, yeah, so um, I am one of the founders of Like a Lion. I started the program when I was 18 years old, um, and then I went to IUPUI and studied nonprofit management there. Mm. Um, I currently, I just got married six months ago. So Congratulations. Yes, thank you. Um, my husband, Ken, uh, he's a software developer, mm-hmm. and he's working mm-hmm. at um a coding boot camp um, in Fishers oh. as an instructor there. Excellent. Yeah, and the rest of my family lives up north in Carmel. Um, but, yeah, I spend most of my time working at Like a mm-hmm. We work with at-risk youth um, mm-hmm. on the east side of Indianapolis, mm-hmm. um, kindergarten to sixth graders mainly. So tell
1: us uh, what, what are some of the communities on the east side that you're working with?
2: Yeah, so we are um, located in the Otterby neighborhood, um, but we work with students in Brookside, Brightwood, um, and then some that are on a little bit further east.
1: Okay, all right. So... When you say that you're working with students, are are you working with students, bringing them to a certain location, or are you going to IPS uh, schools? How does that work?
2: Yeah, so the students that we're working with get dropped off at our building. We're located at Otterbein United Methodist Church on 21st and Emerson, and um, the students will come to our building. We have after-school program and a summer camp. So from mm-hmm. 4 to 6.30, Monday through Thursday, we have the kids after school, and then we have them all day during the summer from 10 to 4.30.
1: Wow. Uh, There's so many questions that just kind of come to my mind about all of that. But let's let's begin with <laughs> baseline stuff. Uh, tell us about your website. Uh, tell us where to go to find you on the web so that people can make that connection.
2: Yeah, so our website is likealion.org. Um, and- we are on Facebook, Instagram, um, kind of on Twitter. We don't keep up with that as much. Okay.
1: All right. Yeah, I was looking for you on Twitter. I couldn't find you there. Yeah. So, uh, but you are on Instagram, so yes. that's good to know. Okay, well, we'll make that connection later on as well. Um, and one of the things that uh, kind of stands out to me when you say that you're um, invested on the east side is that you have a location that you're at. Uh, mention the place again for us and uh, and where it is, and uh, what are the folks uh, there what are their interests in having Like a Lion uh, at their place?
2: Yeah, so we are located at Otterbein United Methodist Church, and it's um, on the corner of 21st and Emerson. Um, the congregation there is a little bit older. Um, the pastor is 65, and he always says, I'm the younger generation of the church. So it's an <laughs> older congregation, and they were, um, they've were they been around forever. The neighborhood mm. was named after them, after their church. Mm. And... Um, Yeah, it used to be kind of a middle-class neighborhood, um, completely white, and then the neighborhood turned, and the church just never really kept up with it. And then they brought in a new pastor um, about five years ago, and I think he realized this church doesn't represent the neighborhood, and we are not very... invested in the community around us. And so um, we, as like a lion, we had our program um, and we were looking for a building. So we just went knocking on doors and happened to knock on their door at the right moment. And um, God really orchestrated A lot of good things for us, and so now we are um, running out of their building. They have been phenomenal to us. Um, Mm. So generous, such a sweet congregation, um, and so supportive of Like a Lion.
1: You know, one of the things I find, we were talking about this, HB and I, in the first hour a little bit, about the culture and context of any community, Mm -hmm. and every community has a culture and it has a context. And when people realize that they haven't really kept up with whatever the culture or the context Mm -hmm. is, and they're kind of uh, behind the times, as it were, in that sense of things, Um, to have a congregation like this one step up and say, hey, you know what, we realize that we have some catching up to do, and we're going to make this place available. How important would you say it is for churches to to invest, literally to invest their place in nonprofits like Like a Lion? So many church buildings tend to... To be empty during the week, yeah. you know, how is it that that folks could do a better job of that, just in churches around town? Do you think?
2: Yeah, I just think there's so much opportunity with the church building. I mean, really with them being empty during the week. um, Like Lion, when we started, we had a mission and a vision, and we were on fire for it. Just so much passion, but we didn't have a place to be. And so it was a big roadblock for us in getting Mm -hmm. started was not having this space. And so when we found a church that was willing to partner alongside of us, I mean, the growth that we've seen in Like Alliance since 2014 when we started partnering with them is amazing and I don't think would have been there had we not had a church building and a Mm. church that stepped up and welcomed us in. Mm. And so um, I think it's so important for churches just to look, you know, there's so many visions out there and missions and people with so much passion um, Mm. that just need space and, you know, the church has a good opportunity to be able to provide that.
1: Yeah, just looking around uh, at your place, and at your space uh, is, is an important idea here, I think, for everybody to recognize and to realize, you know what, uh, we can do more with what we already have. And I, that's really neat to hear about this congregation. So yeah. thanks for filling us in on that. Uh, when you talked about uh, young people being dropped off at the building... Uh, Are these uh, folks that are having bus runs from IPS, or are these parents, or how does that work? Who's bringing them to your place?
2: Yeah, so um, we used to do pickups. When we first started, the group of kids that we had didn't have transportation, and so we did pickups, and it was, we didn't have a van or a bus, so it was super challenging for us, Mm -hmm. and then... um, As some of the kids aged out of our program and we got new kids, they all were able to either provide transportation or lived in walking distance. So, I mean, literally walk across the street to come to our building. We have a lot of kids in our neighborhood. And so, um, yeah, once it was a lot easier for us to have the parents drop them off. Um, And with the group that we have now, it's a possibility for them. So we're excited about that. It
1: it makes me think, uh, how many more of Like a Lion places, spaces, could you have around Indianapolis if you had – more churches that would do what this one is doing.
2: Yes, we always talk about we are a really small program, um, so we have 16 kids in our program right now. We want to cap it out about 25 kids, mm-hmm. um, and we're intentional with our smallness. We want to know our kids. Um, I can tell you at the end of every single day how their school days went, if they had a good day, a bad day, mm-hmm. what friends they played with at recess, what specials they had in mm-hmm. um When you get so big, you just lose that family vibe um, and you lose that close connection. And so we would love to have um, just a series of satellite locations that Mm -hmm. are doing what LikeLine is doing um, in this neighborhood and other neighborhoods or other communities.
1: One of the things that uh, I know is true, uh, this is something that I've been doing for 35 years. I started teaching in junior and senior high school. Mm -hmm. I'm married to a second grade teacher. So, you know, together we've spent over 60 years of our lives educating young people. One of the nicest things that I hear you just said is that I know them personally. So I have a personal mm-hmm. relationship with these young people. And H.P. and I, again, in the first hour, we were talking about this. The What is knowledge? Part of the issue in Scripture, especially out of Proverbs, is this concept that, that education is based on relationship. Okay. So our relationship between ourselves and God and our relationship with others, you know, getting yeah. to know folks and, and hearing their stories and then for little people, I mean, you know, for the folks that you're serving, how important is that, you know, for them that they actually they actually know when they go to your place, Maddie cares about me. Yeah. How, do you get any feedback on that, either from them or from parents or from others around the community?
2: Um, yeah, it's, it's a very clear family vibe that we have. And so um, the parents have been really um, grateful and thankful to us. Mm. Um, on Halloween, I took a group of girls trick-or-treating um, with my family, and so um, that was really fun. And um, one of the girls who went is she's just kind of a spitfire girl, and I would she's not super um, filled with graciousness. <laughs> she is very sweet and very loving, and um, mm. loves to be a like line, but just you know, a very spunky personality. Mm-hmm. And she wrote me a letter that said. Aww. Um, thank you so much for taking us trick-or-treating. If you weren't a part of our family, we would not be able to do this. And I think that just really speaks to how they view us and how we view them. I mean, they spent the whole day with my family, you know, doing Aww. that, and they consider us part of their family. And so it's Aww. definitely, um, our kids are known at Like a Lion, and they know us. We try to, you know, some of the girls were flower girls at my wedding, and they Aww. were invited, and we <laughs> just, we nice. just really like to be connected with them and know their families.
1: Well, I'll tell you what, if, uh, if you hear my voice breaking later on in the program, you'll understand that, you know, stuff like this really gets to me emotionally. Uh, to know that there are uh, folks like Maddie uh, and her volunteer group uh, in, a, in a place like the east side of Indianapolis that are doing good. Uh, this education is just the crucial concern for us. Uh, we talk about the next generation all the time. Let's talk a little bit about this issue in terms of next generation preparation How is it that you see what you do as preparation for the future for young people? What do you see uh, your work at Like a Lion being beneficial for them into the future?
2: Yeah, so um, our goal and our vision of Like a Lion is to create indigenous leaders out of our students. And so we want, um, you know, we're not there to change the entire community we have our small impact on the kids that we can but Mm -hmm. they are living in the community they have grown up in it they understand what their neighborhoods are like and so we think that if we can um, empower them to um, have the knowledge and the resources to Mm -hmm. appreciate their community and to value their community they will be able to come back um, and really be the movers and shakers that are going to change um, the communities that they live in.
1: Mm, That's a great vision. And just for the sake of everybody uh, listening, if they don't know what the word indigenous means, Mm -hmm. tell us what you mean by indigenous leaders.
2: Yeah, so just leaders that are um, a part of a community. So I grew up um, in the suburbs. I'm, you know, white, working in a predominantly African-American community. And so um, not to say that there's discredit for what I'm doing and that I don't have power in it, but... Our students um, just have such a great power to be able to know the people that they are living around and just have the reach that they have in their neighborhoods. And if we can um, see or get them to value their community and love um, and see India as not um, just a place that they live, but Mm -hmm. as a place that they can call home um, Mm -hmm. and be able to invest back in it, we think that they can really have the power to change.
1: Yeah. This issue of uh, Euro-American and African-American groups working together is, is huge for us. And we're constantly concerned about making that connection and linkage for folks. Uh, so one of the things that's true about this program, as well as just generally around Indianapolis, mm-hmm. is that there is a tremendous emphasis on the educational issue. And, and you mentioned something about broadening uh, Like a line into other sites. Mm-hmm. Um, have you connected with other nonprofits that are doing things like you do? And if so, what has been the kind of connection that you've had with folks around Indianapolis?
2: Yeah. So there um, are a couple of nonprofits that I like. I love small nonprofits. There's so mm-hmm. many. There's a lot of cool big nonprofits in Indy that are just having tremendous impact. But um, recently um, I met with a girl who started New Star, which is a really small mm-hmm. um, after school program that started out of Redeemer Presbyterian. And it's just so cool to be able to talk to people who have started from the bottom and are just building their mm-hmm. way up because that's, um, you know, what Likeline is still doing. And so um, just being able to connect with leadership from organizations like that help us to be able mm. to just bounce ideas off of each other and um, grow in ways that um, we wouldn't have been able to otherwise mm.
1: well you're sitting next to a, a, a brand new nonprofit we've only been <laughs> around for two years so add us to the mix <laughs> yes, HB TV is
2: nonprofits are the best. <laughs> there you go
1: uh, HB is on our board and uh, we've been in existence here for a couple of years and of course mm-hmm. uh, HB and I both are committed to the issue of education and uh, we're always interested in getting to know other that are interested in those things as well. We're going to be taking a break here, and uh, we'll be back after a song or two. And we want to continue this conversation with Maddie as we discuss uh, further about what a like a lion does and the impact that this kind of uh, nonprofit can have in Indianapolis and perhaps in other communities if you're listening from other places. You're listening to Warp and Woof Radio on Radio Next at the Cool Groove site. We'll be right back. And we are back. You're listening to Warp and Woof Radio at Radio Next on the Cool Groove site. We come to you every Wednesday morning from 10 until noon. And we basically take this platform and introduce you to folks around Indianapolis who are doing good, Christians from a Christian vantage point uh, that are actually practicing the commands of Titus chapter 3, to do good, do good, do good. And we are in the studio today with Maddie from Like a Lion. And uh, Maddie, we were talking off air about uh, the interesting um, opportunity you had. You were just telling me about this. To while you were at IUPUI doing your degree on nonprofit, you were literally building a nonprofit. Mm-hmm. Uh, talk a little bit about that experience and why that was so beneficial for you.
2: Yeah, so um, I started like a lion um, the year I graduated high school. With a, there was it was not I was not by myself. I had um, a wonderful group that I started it with, and um, I went to IU for a semester actually and then um, the plan was to start Like a Lion, do Like a Lion during the summer and have our summer camp and then when I graduated from IU we would start our after-school program and I was at IU for a semester and I just realized my heart was in Indy and I could not wait to start Like a Lion and so um, I started we started working to make Like a Lion a nonprofit, and I just had no knowledge of what that even meant, but then I started a, gr- a degree in nonprofit management at IUPUI, and so as I was building this nonprofit, I was learning about how to do that, and so in my classes, they, you know, talk about, well, when you get a job, this is what you'll be facing, but it, um, I already had that job, and so I was able to take what I was mm. learning, you know, on a day-to-day basis and actually apply it um, mm. to Like a Lion, which was incredibly helpful mm. um, in building up the nonprofit from the bottom.
1: Yeah, that's, that's an incredible opportunity. I, I don't know that I've heard too many stories like yours uh, where you have, literally, you're doing a degree in the thing that you're building at the same time.
2: Yeah, it was it was, it was was so helpful, and um, so many great professors that mm. came alongside of me that um, had so much knowledge of the field and were able to guide me mm. um, in those beginning years. Yeah.
1: Well, kudos to professors at IUPUI. I know that uh, that particular institution is especially noted for their teaching. Teaching profs. Mm-hmm. And quite frankly, uh, there are awful lot of research uh, universities around the United States. Uh, really, we just need more and more places like IUPUI who have really good teaching profs, not yes. only who have been there and done that, but keep doing it. Mm-hmm. You know, that's really important and yeah. good. Yeah. Just by the way, I, this thought just comes to my mind have they asked you to come back to tell about any stories that you have uh, for nonprofit building?
2: Um, I haven't. Gone back to talk to any um, classes or anything okay. like that, but during our classes, LeicaLine was often the um, test subject. So oh, nice, nice. to the class, it was kind of cool. Um, they used it as you know a sample nonprofit, and then the class would give feedback <laughs> on things. So Great. during my schooling, it was helpful because they used it um, Great. a lot for examples and things like that.
1: Well, I'll tell you if if there are any opportunities that I have while I'm down on campus uh, to push uh, these nonprofits like yours out there, I will make sure that they hear more about you.
2: Well, thank you.
1: Yeah, of course. So uh, one of the things you just talked about in uh, reference to the nonprofit was how you build your programming. You talked about summer camp. You talked about after-school programs. And I think you have something else going on as well. Would you unpack those for us? So take each one at a time. Tell us timing uh, during the day or during the year that these events happen, and then kind of tell us about – What your approach might be at any given moment, let's say for an hour or an afternoon or whatever the day might be in in a summer program camp? Mm
2: -hmm. So um, I'll start with our after school program. We we follow the IPS school schedule, so whenever IPS is in school, we will have after school program, um, and the kids get there at 4.30 or at 4 and then they stay till 6.30 and so we have them for a good chunk of their after school time. Um, During that time we do homework time and tutoring um, so the kids all, we do teacher meetings throughout the year and so we meet with the teachers and um, figure out what the students need to be working on, what they're struggling with um, and what their homework is daily and so we make sure that the students not only get their homework done but then if they have extra time they work on um, different enrichment activities that are specific to them. Um, after homework time they get a meal so we have um, a hot meal served to them which is really important Um, just some of our kids if they didn't receive meal at program um, that's their dinner so they wouldn't receive um, dinner at home and so Um, Meal time is really special to us because then we also get to spend time talking with the kids and spending time together. Um, After dinner, we switch off every day. We either do Bible study or worship. Um, So Bible study, they're broken up into different age groups and they have age appropriate Bible studies that are taught to them. Um, And then for worship, we have um, different dance songs that we do. The kids all, you know, we have motions to the songs and we have some sit down songs and things like that that we work on. And then. After we do Bible study and worship, we will have um, free time where they can either, we have a gym that they can play in, we have craft opportunities for them on Wednesdays. Um, we're working on doing STEM projects on Wednesdays. Um, so it's just a time for them to kind of choose their activity at the end of the day. Um, some enjoyment time after they've you know been working hard on homework and school all day. Okay.
1: Now I have to interrupt here because (laughs) I'm hearing all this stuff and my head's bobbing like a bobblehead (laughs) doll over here. I'm thinking about how important it is to feed young people, Mm -hmm. how important it is to have these opportunities for interpersonal relationship and so on. But let let me just ask this to make sure that everybody else knows this. This is a free service.
2: Yes, it is free to our students.
1: Okay, so let me just say that again. (laughs) Young people, for two and a half hours after every school day, not only are they getting a break from school, because really, quite frankly, it is a nice break from school. It's really something very special to go and have very designated, very personal, very professional uh, help that comes Mm -hmm. alongside them. But they get to go play. They get to sing and dance. you got to meet my wife. She just loves <laughs> kinesthetic movement in second grade. So you guys need to get together. Yeah, send her our way. Oh, yeah, okay. <laughs> she loves chants and making stuff up. Like Anyway, anyway. So it's really kind of cool to hear this, though. And let me ask this question because I think this is going to be an important issue. If everything is free to the students, okay, <laughs> who's paying?
2: Yes, funding, the yeah. big question always. Um we, are, we have some wonderful individuals that have um, come alongside us. So our program is 33% funded, actually 36% funded now by monthly donors. So yes. we have just a lot, which I'm, most of them are about $25, $25 to $100 mm-hmm. a month. So it's not huge um, portions, but it's just a lot of people that have come and said, yes, I love your mission. I want to be a part of this. I want to not only make a donation to it, but invest in it monthly. And so that's um, incredibly helpful mm-hmm. to us. Um, we have um, some businesses that have come alongside us as corporate sponsors, some churches, um, some grants that we've received and things like mm. that. Funding is always a struggle for us. We um, haven't quite figured out exactly um, what, you know, a perfect fundraising strategy looks like, but we've definitely, God has been so good to us every single year um, and help us make it work. We're pretty um, low cost as far as um, our budget goes, so um even if a student were to pay for the entire summer, it would be about $500 to have them come through our summer program. So that's what, like, a summer sponsorship would be is $500, mm-hmm. um, which if you break it up can, and compare it to other programs where the students have to pay, um, their families would be paying a lot more. Mm-hmm. Um, so we try to keep our costs low and be um, responsible with the resources that we have. Sure,
1: yeah. Well, certainly, uh, you know, I'm going to stand in behind, <laughs> behind the line and, and you get with you guys because uh, – Funding is always an issue, and and when you said, we're still trying to figure that out, well, let me raise my hand, too, on that. Thank you very much. Uh, The issue of funding, though, really uh, kind of leads us into the next question, because you just mentioned something about summer programming, and you mentioned that uh, you do this for $500 in the summertime. Well, unpack that for us. Help us to understand how often does that take place in the summertime, how many weeks, what times during the day, all that kind of stuff. How are you serving young people in the summer?
2: Yeah, so I just want to clarify, it's $500 per child that we do in the summer, but um, um, what our summer program looks like is we have them all day long, so Monday through Thursday again. So we don't have program on Fridays, we found that kids aren't as interested in (laughs) hanging out with us on Fridays, but Mm -hmm. Monday through Thursday from 10 to 4.30, and our entire morning is spent... In academic time so we do um, math class reading class and then social emotional learning which is technically not an academic class but we um, value it enough that we think that our students need to be um, have it on the same level as their math and reading classes so our whole morning is academic time and then we have well we have breakfast and lunch that we provide to them during the summer and then After lunch, we have a craft project, a STEM project. Um, Then they'll have club time, which is different clubs. We have coding club, um, cooking club, dance club, just a spy club we had last year. Um, Just a bunch of different activities to kind of give them a well-rounded view of opportunities. And then um, after club time, they have worship and Bible study. And then the end of the day, we have free time where they can, again, choose kind of what they're doing. We can go outside. Things like that and then every Thursday we go on a field trip um, so we take them to different places around the community um, they have to earn their field trip with good behavior so when we talk to our parents they know that our program is Monday through Wednesday and then Thursdays are behavior based um, just so that they can be clear of their expectations for childcare and things like that but um, it's been a huge incentive to our kids and um, behavioral problems are something that a lot of our kids struggle with um, in school um, they struggle with getting suspended and things like that, and that, like a lion, we really try um, to build their character and make sure um, that that's not a huge issue at our program. And so having this incentive has been um, very beneficial mm. to us.
1: Man, yeah. yeah. uh, I want to come to the summer program. I, I want to be <laughs> in Spy Club, frankly. That, that sounds so pretty, cool. It was
2: pretty fun. We oh, had a laser um, maze that they had to go through. Oh,
1: my word. Shoot. I I just think about being a kid again. When you you start talking about those clubs, that sounds like so much fun. Uh, When you talked about uh, the issue of uh, being with them from 10 until 430, how many months out of the summer is this? Or is this just really every week during the summertime?
2: Yeah, so IPS um, has a seven-week summer, so we have them for seven weeks. This wow. this year it'll be eight weeks, so okay. um, we're getting an extra week. So okay. as long as I, when so when IPS is in school, we have our after-school program. Whenever they're out of school, okay. we have our summer camp.
1: So you really function. Let me just get this straight. You really function like honestly, like a regular teacher, honestly, because you're doing all of this work during school days, and then. Uh, During the summertime, well, that's not really like a real teacher because you're (laughs) teaching in the summertime, uh, but you just take your breaks and your vacations like an IPS teacher would, right?
2: Yeah, it's nice because they have a balanced calendar, so they have two weeks off for spring break and winter break and fall break. Um, So that is nice because we also have the We are usually in the office, but we're out of program time, which makes our schedules a little more flexible.
1: Oh, I like balanced schedules. That's great. That's great. And your summer program just sounds exceptional. So you've got the after-school. Mm-hmm. Program and then you've got the summer program. Yes. are there other uh, special interest connections that you make uh, during the year with other groups or? W- are there any other programming ideas that we need to know about?
2: Um, those are our main programs. We have some personal connections with some people, um, like the church that I go to, SOMA. We have a group mm-hmm. of people that are going to start bringing some kids to church on Sundays. So we have some um, personal connections outside of church that kind of okay. make it a little bit more holistic. But okay. as far as our specific programs go, um, we have our after-school program in our center. Great.
1: Say hello to Phil Edwards for me next time you see him. we love Phil. Yeah, I just met with him for coffee a couple weeks ago. Uh, So this idea of connecting with people throughout Indianapolis, this just kind of tells you what we do. Yeah. Uh, Let me come back to something that kind of uh, struck me as interesting, at least. Um, You have mentioned twice now, not only in the after school but in the summer program, that you have Bible studies and worship. Yeah. Okay. So here's the obvious question that's (laughs) got to be asked. You're working with public school students. You're working with public school teachers. You're working with parents who may or may not be believers. How does all that go over?
2: You know what? We have not had very much pushback from it. We've had a lot of positive response. So um, I would say that the neighborhood that we serve is really really culturally Christian. Mm. Um, So um, the knowledge of Jesus... um, the knowledge of Jesus, 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 um, the knowledge and the importance of church is not um, hmm. foreign to them. They okay. believe that. But I would say a relationship with Christ is not mm. necessarily there. So there's not a lot of pushback from church that we've received. Um, I would say at their, at their homes, I think um, the kids don't necessarily have a life immersed with like understanding what a Savior means. But um, mm. the parents don't really push back on us as far as being a Christian organization, which is really um mm. Really been good for us. It's just opened a bunch of doors and well, yeah. Um, well, yeah. if you're
1: Christians, then you know you're yeah. not you're not embarrassed by that at <laughs> no. all. You're doing this because Christ has given Himself for us, and yeah. we share that grace with other people. Uh, how about with the uh, IPS? Anything there with the public school system?
2: Um, we're not running out of the public school right. system, so that is um, I think maybe helpful for us as far as not getting pushback. But we do meet with the teachers, and um, I think that they just the teachers have been so nice to us and so gracious and um, they see the impact on their students and so you know, we have a teacher who I don't believe is a Christian, but um, knows that we're a Christian ministry. We're really um, intentional with a boy in mm-hmm. her class. And then she, every single time I'm in her classroom, she makes announcements to the whole class. Like, "Go, you need to go to Like a Lion. Want, I want you guys, you know, have your parents call me, and um, I'll try to get you enrolled. And so we had two more students from his class join us this year. And so it's cool because the teachers mm-hmm. really appreciate what we're doing, and um, they know that we're a Christian organization. I think whether they... Um, you know, are Christians themselves, or mm-hmm. not? I think they really see the benefit um, that their students are getting from Lake Line, and they wouldn't want to take that away from them. So
1: you show up at the at the school too.
2: Yeah, <laughs> we spend a lot of time at the school. Really? <laughs> yeah.
1: Really. Well, tell us about. I didn't get that any place. So tell me about that. How do you spend time at the public ses- system?
2: Um, well, we usually we spend time there. It's mo- mostly teacher meetings, so okay. we'll meet with the okay. teachers, um, and we will kind of gauge how the students are doing, and then it just depends on the kid. Like, there's some kids that um, we have a kindergartner who won't bring his homework ever, so every Monday we go pick up his homework, and in that we kind of, you know, you're interacting with their class, you're interacting with their students. Mm -hmm. We've had um, some students, not this year, but in previous time, who really had some trouble. um, trouble with disrupting the class and having behavioral issues during class and they could never get a hold of their parents so they would just call us and we'd talk the student down and we just had wow. you know a close relationship with that wow. teacher and so um, they give us updates if the kids are doing well, you know, if they've had a good day. They know the students love when they mm. were like, oh, your teacher said they were really proud that you did this. And the mm. kids are lighting up because, you know, they love that praise. And so sure. um, it just depends on the teacher in the school. But we try to be as connected as possible with them. Mm. Um, it's so much better for the kids. Whenever oh, we word, have a relationship yes. with the teacher, we just we understand them in such a different way because they spend so much time at school. And I mean, their teachers are with them, yeah. you know, way more than we are. And sure. Um. Well, you,
1: you know, you're functioning, quite frankly, almost as an IEP. Mm-hmm. That's an individual education program, for those of you not sh- sure about the acrostic there. Um, an Individual educational uh, program or process is something where uh, students are connected to an outside group or an outside individual that's helping them. But my word. You're in the classroom. You got teachers coming to you. You've man a lot. That's why
2: we keep our program small, so we yeah. can be doing that and we yeah. can be intentional with our students.
1: Yeah. Well, that I was actually going to go there next. The issue of the smallness of this. So talk about. You know, obviously there's so many young people and have so many needs. I'm sure you see it all the time. Do you have to go through a process of acceptance and rejection? I mean, are there people that you have to turn away?
2: Um, in the beginning we d- it just depends on the summer and the time um, when we I would say two years ago we had a waiting list that was like 15 kids and it was just wow. a really big waiting list right now we're kind of in a lull where we um, are needing to do some more outreach to get more mm. kids um, but it just kind of ebbs and flows depending on mm. um, I guess the needs of the neighborhood yeah. um, okay. I'm sure the needs are always there but also people's knowledge of us is really important so mm-hmm. it's, the more people know about us the better.
1: Mm. You're listening to Maddie Pascasio from Like a Lion. We want to make sure that everybody hears about uh, this great organization in Indianapolis again uh, because what the kind of thing that you're hearing about what Maddie and her uh, group is doing is, uh, quite frankly, uh, pretty amazing stuff, uh, amazing in the sense that they are really targeting and focused on individual students and helping them uh, because they are disadvantaged in lots of different ways, uh, and helping them from a Christian vantage point as well. This is just an amazing program. So let me come back to something you said, I don't know, a few comments ago that I wanted to make sure to to hit again. You said something uh, about your after-school program uh, where you talked about training them in sociological and emotional education.
2: Yes. Okay, so so you need
1: to unpack that for everybody. Go ahead.
2: (laughs) Yes, in our summer camp, actually, we have 40 minutes of social-emotional learning every day. Um, It's often said as SEL class. But it is um, kind of a time where we work on um, things that aren't academic but that are really important to the kids. So um, controlling your emotions, um, what it looks like to combat bullying in your school, um, how to have a good character, how to be a leader, how to communicate um, with others? What do you do if you're angry and you want to throw everything and hit somebody? How do you mm-hmm. um, control that and find different strategies um, to be able to combat that? So um, our SEL class is really fun for the kids. It's really engaging. We have a lot of different activities and it's hands-on and it's mm-hmm. taught by um, Sarah Rogers who's one of the founders of Like a Lion and has come back as um Um, She's working part-time for us, and then she works during our summer camp. But she's the behavioral coach at a school, and so she does this during the day. And then um, she's amazing. She comes after school and works with our kids after school after she's been working with kids all day and then spends the whole summer um, with us. And she teaches our SEL class, which has been really helpful for us.
1: Okay. So for those of you who have heard me talk about these things a lot and hear me talk about education all the time, um, let me just say this, that, You're hearing about an educational program that cares for the, wait for it now, the whole person. How about that? Uh, Do you guys uh, stress that at all when you're uh, discussing what it means to teach young people or teach anybody uh, being concerned about the wholeness of their person?
2: Yeah, we do. Our mission is to spread the gospel of Christ through academic, emotional, and spiritual support. And so we feel like everything we do kind of fits into those categories. And it really, um, you know, we care about their academic success. We care about their emotional health, and then you know we care about their spiritual well being -being as well. Mm -hmm. Um, And so we really do want to make sure that we. It's hard because it's easier to have a focused program that's just academics or just um, you know bullying prevention or things like that, but yeah, we just see it as so important to our kids that we be we're targeting. You know, we, sp- we have so much access to them and spend so much time with them that we want to be targeting all these different areas in their lives. That's
1: huge. This is the Hebraic concept of shalom. Mm-hmm. Shalom means completion or wholeness, and so we're really interested in that for everybody. When I when you get an email from me, for instance, and I write peace to you, I don't mean <laughs> some kind of hippie idea from the 1960s. I'm saying. I hope that there is wholeness in your life. That's what I wish for you. And so this idea of bringing peace, bringing completion or wholeness to a neighborhood through the individual lives of, your phrase, indigenous leaders for the next generation is just really cool. Okay, so we've been through the program. We've talked about uh, individual work and all of those kinds of things. Tell us some stories Mm -hmm. about young people. And you can take this in any direction you want. Tell as many stories as you want about individuals who have been impacted. Maybe you want to talk about a success story. Maybe you want to just tell a little vignette or a few of them all together about young people who have been impacted by your work.
2: Yeah, so um, there are so many stories, and we have just a great group of kids right now. I mean, I want to hang out with them. Like, they're so they're so wonderful to spend time with. Um, but we had um, a boy who joined our program last year. He, so he's been in our program for about a year, and he um, – Him and his brother joined, and when they live right down the street, so they walk to program every day. They don't have a car, and his grandma we met him was just like, "This is my answered prayer." Like I, um, their dad kind of abandoned them. Their mom lost custody of them, so she now is their caretaker and doing an amazing job. But just you know, she's getting older and her health isn't well, and she's struggling for sure. And she's like, "I, you know, I don't want my boys to be on the street. I don't want them to be standing on the corner and." You know, I look at their lives and I just see so much potential, and I have no, she's struggling to give them the resources that they need. And so they came to Like a Lion. This little boy um, came full force with um, something to prove. He definitely, um, he struggled a lot academically. He's about, he was about three years behind in his reading um, than where he should have been. And he um, just had this major attitude and kind of wanted to be. Um, the big man on campus and, you know, out beat everyone in badness <laughs> and attitude and he was really struggling and so mm-hmm. we've just been, one thing with him was consistency. He had so many people in and out of his life. Mm-hmm. I mean, he didn't trust us for anything and so we spent this whole year, um, just really being stable for him and providing him, saying like, we want to be here for you, we are not against you, um. We're not going to kick you out. Like, you can try to get kicked out of this program, and we see you trying, um, but we're not going to kick you out. We love you, and um, we want you here. And mm-hmm. so he's been suspended for different things, but he always, we always say, you are welcome back, and we want you back um, as much as, you know, you're pushing back on us. And mm-hmm. so his life has really, um, his grades are, he brought in his report card about a week ago with one C plus and A's and B's, which I mean is the best report card wow. he has ever had. And, um, he's just grown so much in his confidence. He, you know, was so scared to even try to read or to try to do things and his confidence has grown, um, throughout the past year mm-hmm. and his, um, just confidence as a member of the like family has grown. Mm-hmm. So he, um, you can tell he feels known and he feels loved and so he is now free to be himself and so when he once um you know felt like he had something to prove now he is who he is you know he doesn't want to play basketball with the boys all the time he wants to come up and do crafts even if it's just girls and he doesn't feel like he needs to prove something to the other kids he doesn't um yeah have that to prove and so that's been a really cool transformation Mm -hmm. story um to see in him and then we have another little girl who I was talking about earlier, just just a spitfire and one that I love um, very dearly. Um, but she really struggles with attitude and behavior problems at school she um, gets in trouble a lot and coming to like line. we just I mean I've had probably a hundred conversations with her on what it means to have strategies when you're upset with somebody or how to deal with conflict because um, it's just something she really struggles with She's the oldest or the second oldest of eight children um, and she's Ten, So they're all, and there's a lot underneath her. And she just mm-hmm. is put into the mom role at all times. And because of that, she doesn't have any trust for authority. Um, she sees herself as the authority, and so she really struggles with any kind of authority. Sure. Um, but we have a field trip coming up on our Christmas field trip. And so just yesterday, we were, you know, doing homework time. At the end of homework time, she comes up to me, she's like, how do you think I did during homework time? And She's never really asked about her behavior in that way. And, you know, I was like, well, how do you think that you did? And she's like, well, you know, I think I did good in this. She's like, I talked back to you a little bit when you asked me to do something. She's like, but I did recover. Um, and I had, you know, I did eventually recover, but that was, you know, that was not a good moment. So she's like, so I think I did okay. And I was like, you know, I think that you did okay too. Like that was, you know, a rough moment, but then you did recover. And so then she goes running back, um, you know, and starts writing something down. I was like, Hey, what are you, like, what are you working on? And she's like, I made myself, a behavior chart um, so that I can track my behavior throughout this week um, to try, you know, to see if I can go on the field trip. And I was so impressed by just her personal responsibility that she was taking in that. Um, which I think is just, you know, something that having those character talks and saying, like, hey, you know, your behavior is your responsibility. Like, I, you know, I didn't choose to make this action and you're, you know, upset with me for taking away um this, you know, thing that you wanted to do. But um, this is your responsibility, and something about having a good character is taking responsibility for that. So watching her have that um, personal responsibility was just a very proud moment for Mm me um, to see in her, and it kind of, I think is a testament to the different talks that we've had. Somebody we've been working with her for years on um, getting to this place, so Mm. very proud moment.
1: You, uh, (laughs) the story is huge, so, for what it's worth, uh, I'll just say this to everybody, and, and of course to you, obviously, um, to record those stories would be really cool. Yeah. I mean, to, to just take, even the podcast, when this comes out, and to take the stories that you just told and to have them written down is ethnography. So where people are coming from historically, you're actually writing down those stories. Yeah. And to have a whole, uh, being be able to raise funds that way Here's the story of, here's the story of, here's the story of. And when you tell a story, the attraction, you know, everybody loves stories. So you're attracting people to what it is that you're promoting and, and serving.
2: Yeah, we're doing a little bit of that with our end of the year fundraiser good right now. You. So we have some snippet stories, but um, I think big stories is a good yeah, idea. Yeah, you well. know,
1: these kinds of things attract folks, you yeah. know, because then they say, "Wow, this is really going someplace," and we see the benefit of this. And yeah. those are good things. I, just uh, and plus, you know, it, the way you the way you tell the story is so sweet. You know, you are so invested in the, these young people, and that's just a, a pleasure to hear about. Well, we just have a couple minutes left, and I, I wanted to make sure that. Um, you get an opportunity to tell folks uh, at the end of the program um, you know whatever it is you want to leave them with, what what kinds of ideas would you want to make sure that people leave this broadcast with today?
2: Yeah, I think um, one thing that when I talk about our kids I always want um, people to know just because we talk to a lot of people from different demographics and some um, you know a lot of people that are so far removed from the low-income community and so I just always want to make sure people realize like our kids are capable, like they are powerful and they are leaders and they, um, you know, aren't destined for some statistic that you can read but they are just filled with um, capability. And so given the right resources and a lot of them do have so much against them. I mean the family lives and we have students that have moved I think 16 times in two years and just the instability is unbelievable. And so they have a lot working against them, but the way that they persevere and the um, ability and the knowledge that they have is amazing. And so um, I just, yeah, I look at, I see a lot of people discredit low-income kids and want to come in and be the savior to them and like they need my help and they need this. And um, you know, they do need resources, but also they are capable in themselves and they need empowerment and they need um, resources that they don't have, but um, yeah, they're powerful. And so I like. To make sure that people realize that that we don't think we are here to save them from, you know, they need us so much, but no, um, they can do it, and uh, we're proud to walk alongside them. And
1: and your commitment to the indigenous Mm -hmm. idea—I mean, this is a huge Mm -hmm. issue—and the fact that you're committed to the context and culture through the uh, socio-economic as well as the emotive responsibilities of these young people are just fantastic. Mm -hmm. You know, uh, because we're Christians, we believe that all people are made in God's image and therefore have worth, value, and dignity. And so we never displace anybody, and we never set anybody aside. And so it's just a wonderful thing to hear about your uh, wonderful organization again today. Mm -hmm. Yeah, Mm -hmm. Thank you for coming in and for spending some time with us. You've been listening to Maddie Piscasio (laughs) and Like a Lion, and uh, we've been hearing some great stuff about another great nonprofit organization That's doing good around Indianapolis. You've been listening to Warp and Woof Radio on RadioNext.tv at the Cool Groove site, and we will be back next week when you will be hearing from Dr. G, who he and I are going to be discussing the issue of entrepreneurial education, about literally changing the system, making it something totally different than what it is, and the necessity of that, and maybe even, just coming up with our own academy. In fact, we just came up with a name this last week. I'll save it till next week. It's been great to have you along with us. If you're listening to the podcast, tell others about us. Uh, We're grateful to uh, have this opportunity. Uh, HB and I will be back next week. Until then, blessings.